Microphone checker, welcome back. Before we get to this week's episode, I want to give a shout out to everybody who checked out last week's episode with the one and only Killer Mike, man. Activist, actor, rapper, entrepreneur, my friend, man. Let me tell you something, man. Just such a brilliant mind. Okay, we go over everything just from facts about Georgia, facts about life, facts about culture, to run the jewels stories, to you know, to to outcast stories, to us just kicking it, man. A real good episode with my brother Killer Mike. I've known him for many years, and I really got a lot of love for him. Uh, make sure you check that out. If you haven't checked it out, put it on your to do list. And while you're at it, dig in the catalog. There's so many episodes. Again, if you're a first-time listener to the Premium Pete Show, welcome. If you listened before, then you know that we have people from all walks of life. You never know who's going to be on the Premium Pete Show, so it's a bonus. And I don't want you to only think there's like if you have to see somebody, like you have to see a, a, a big celebrity to press play. No, I'm going to put you on to people from all walks of life who have amazing stories, amazing journeys, and that can, can really honestly give you lessons in life and gems. That's one thing I'm very proud of. This is not something I'm just trying to do. This is a fact. I get hit up all the time, okay? Emails, DMs, and in real life, airports all over the world, wherever I travel, of people very thankful because anyone who has ever came and sat on the Premium Pete Show has been able to contribute and explain their life and drop gems where other people could use in theirs. I it, Let me tell you, I sometimes sit back and think like, damn, if I had a, a podcast like this and I'm not being biased, and there's a lot of other podcasts that do this meaning when I what I mean by that is there's a lot of podcasts that offer like podcasts the space is a beautiful space to offer advice on say producing to offer advice on on acting or, or, or gems or life or or whatever it is man so you know listen okay tell a friend to tell a friend dig in the catalog if you know a certain episode that you fuck with uh, refer it to a friend okay you know, what are you going to do if you only know about it? Tell somebody else, okay? Internet, you know what time it is when I tell you to open up your Twitter app, open up your Instagram app, at Premium Pete, at Premium Pete Show, and check the fuck in. Okay, let me know where you're listening from. I always love to interact, whether it's on Twitter or Instagram. Uh, hit me up, man. Let me know where you're listening from. Let me know what episode you're listening to so I can talk with you, so we could chop it up. You know, you could let me know about your city. Again, I always say, just don't tell me your city has the best pizza because it probably doesn't, okay? But I still want to fucking talk to you. I still want to know where you're listening from. And, and I, I really, you know, um, am, am blessed to sit here and say worldwide, in the States, outside the States, people from Italy, Russia, uh, Dublin, Amsterdam, you can even go, and, and, and then all around the States, around the world, check in and listen to the Premium Pete Show. Again, thank you. Um, and if I ever did anything for you, all I ask for is to tell a friend to tell a friend about the Premium Pete Show. You know, uh, whenever I go past the Pete, you know, I always try to drop something before we start an episode, okay? Uh, on my Instagram, at Premium Pete, I said the other day, I said, never forget the people who have contributed to your journey. Even if you don't see them or talk to them every day, it takes nothing to show love. Again, that's never forget the people who have contributed to your journey. Even if you don't see them or talk to them every day, it takes nothing to show love. And in the caption, I put, showing love will never, ever take away anything from you. Try it sometime. Okay, internets, listen, what I mean by that is it's pretty clear and simple, but I do want to say uh, uh, don't be a selfish person. I promise you, you'll uh, be a, a miserable person later on in life. Show love. And, and, and if somebody gets something or does something or achieves something before you, it, it wasn't your time. Okay, there's nothing wrong with showing love. And I'll be honest with you, there's a lot of people that contribute to your journey. 
and 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 if you don't even talk to them anymore, or or, or maybe like you you know you got a family and you're busy, doesn't matter. Just to show them love every once in a while. Okay, you don't have to hang out every day. You don't you know you don't have to be sleeping on their couch. You don't have to be smoking uh, you know uh, out of a bong with them every day. But just to show them love. Okay, just show them what's up. Let me tell you something before we get into this week's episode. Okay. With the one and only, the return, I think he's like a four-time returning guest, Andrew Schultz, comedian, uh, a content creator, podcaster, and a friend of mine. Sometimes a little wild, he's crazy, but I love him, okay? And I will say, this right here, I, Andrew has been on a lot of podcasts, and he's been on here about four times. But this right here, I will say, is a different side of Andrew Schultz. We go over some com- comedy, we go over his journey, we go over where he's at in life right now, but I, I don't even want to say unfiltered. I want to say uh, really uh, honest about what made him get to where he is today, okay? I believe there's a thing called pivot. You, know, you get in a place in life where you feel stuck or you feel uh, uh, um, like, you know, you, you like you're, uh, what do they call that, uh, Benson, where you uh, feel like, um, you know, not, well, complacent, and you also feel like uh, like you're supposed to get everything. What's that called? Like, you know, you're like, you feel like uh, you're owed stuff. You know what I mean? You feel uh, whatever the word I'm looking for. Entitled. There it goes. There it goes. You feel entitled, okay? And he explains and breaks down how that was ruining him and how by changing that changed his career. Honestly, uh, a different side of Andrew Schultz. It, it, you know, I want people listening to this, if you know of him, to get to know him a little better. And if you don't know of him, to get to know him, okay? Internet, so let me tell you something. Another thing I got to say is, you might hear right now, I'm a little sick and I'm under the weather. On this episode, I sound even more sick, okay? But it's a good episode and I'm not always sick and it just goes to show you the dedication I have that it's not easy doing a podcast every week. But I come in here even when I was fucking sick to do a podcast and bring y'all some content. So if you appreciate Andrew Schultz, if you appreciate uh, uh, where you're at a point in your life where you need to make a pivot and change and you can learn something from this kid, I promise you, Internets, I don't need to say no more. Dig in the catalog. Subscribe to Premium Pete Show, available on all podcasts and platforms. Okay? Rate. Tell a friend to tell a friend. Leave a comment. Okay? At me. Listen, Internets, okay? This episode is special. I present to you the return of Andrew Schultz episode of the Premium Pete Show. Let's get to it. Cheer! Yo, what's up, y'all? This is Fat Man Scoop, the undisputed voice of the club, the two-time Grammy Award winner. Let me make this official for you. Fat Man Scoop, Cork McClam, Internets. It's time to go with my dude, Premium Pete. Let's get focused. Let's go, Internets. Let's turn up one time, Premium Pete. Come on, everybody, get set. Let's go. It's the next episode. It's the Premium Pete Show. News, interviews, all of the info. Listen up. It's the Premium Pete Show. If you want the scoop in the low, down low, listen to the show cause milk said so fuck what you heard better act like you know it's the premium peach show internet welcome back to another episode of the premium peach show sitting down with i, I mean i want to say this may be like a four-time returning guest my friend comedian uh i don't want to say weirdo but sometimes you are you call me weirdo um just a, a an all-around great guy some people love him some people hate him some people think he knows how to play basketball my friend andrew schultz Cheer. Andrew. what's up Listen, first of all... It's my fourth time? I think at least. Wow. You came on... Pause. Um, well, we don't know if I came on a girl or boy. Eh, well, let's not start off with that. Yeah, you, but the whole You came on very thing. early. You have, came, you, have you... I moved on. I moved on from it. But have you figured... Have you heard about how we've reinvented pause? No, tell me. So let's say you were watching uh, a movie, right? 
and then a gay sex scene started happening in the movie, right? Would you press pause or would you press fast forward? Fast forward. Because you want to get by it. So everybody who's doing this pause game is actually stopping it to think about the gay shit. Mm. Pausing is the gayest thing that you could possibly do when someone says something that could potentially be gay. Matter of fact, I would feel pretty confident saying that anybody that says pause on a regular basis thinks about gay shit probably even more than gay dudes. Well, people have been known to say that, you know, that that's your thought. I think the pause was more like... And you're right. I understand when you're talking about the lingo of it, but it's more yeah. to like mute that, hold up. You yeah, know but what I mean? you're pausing it. But you're right. right. You're right. On when the you penetration do... scene, like pause right there, so I get a good look at it. That's how I see it. Like mm. whenever I see a dude, like yo, pause. It's like, oh, you want to just stay on this topic? So you just want to sit in the gay for a little bit. You mm. know what I mean? But if you were like fast forward, it's like, all right, let's go right back to the to the next straight shit. You know, you just came off uh, a tour. I mean, you're right. always on tour. Yeah. Uh, CIS tour. What does that mean? What does that even mean? CIS. So the tour is called Views from the CIS. Mm -hmm. What does that mean? CIS, it's a playoff of Drake album, Views from the Six. Okay. Right? But CIS is a cisgendered male. So in this weird fucking time in history, there's no longer just male, female. Right? A cisgendered male is a man born into a man's body. Push which we used to call a man. <laughs> Crazy idea that if you're born with a cock, that you're a fucking man. So, but now you're not, now you're not, now you're not a man. You're a cisgendered man opposed to a transgendered man. Right? So... Uh, I was like, I just think that whole shit is stupid. So I called this tour Views from the Cis, right? So it's like Views from a Straight Guy. Mm. Yeah. You know, we spoke about this before. Yeah. Comedy is sensitive. Yes. And when I say, and, and I'm glad you're saying yes, because not everyone, you know, it's like, you got to be careful what you say these days. No. But I still, okay. But go. This, this is how I feel. Yeah, yeah. You you go. I, I want to respond to you. But you have been able to somewhat, in my opinion, from yeah. just knowing you and viewing you and make some make a lot of sense to a lot of these crazy jokes. Right. Give, I don't want to say only facts, but even more substance. Yes. But- When you say crazy joke, you, you mean certain topics that everyone jokes, is maybe. afraid to, to talk about. Yes. Yes, yeah. Are you afraid to talk about anything? No. So there's nothing off limits? No, nothing's off limits. Why is that? Because that's the that's the dance, bro. That's what I enjoy about comedy. I'm a bullfighter. I'm a fucking matador, you know? And the premise, the, the, the premise of the joke, the topic of the joke is the bull, right? Comics always say this shit like comedy is like boxing. It's not like boxing. Okay, no boxer has ever said, you know, being in the ring is just like telling a joke on stage. There's no, nothing like that at all. It's just nerdy comics are trying to find a way to make themselves seem, you know, like they have bravado, et cetera. The reason it's not like boxing comedy is because when two, when you're boxing someone who's really good, you don't look good. You don't look elegant. You don't look beautiful in there. It's a fucking struggle. It's a fight, right? The reason comedy is bullfighting is because when a great bullfighter is in there, they're not struggling with that bull. They're fucking dancing with that shit. This 
3,000, 4,000 pound beast with two horns. Mm. They're tapping foreheads with sure. it. Looking, they're playing with it, right? And that's what I want to do with it. If you tell me I can't, can't tell a joke about trannies, I'm like, all right, bet. Let me get out my cape. And it's time to dance with this motherfucker, right? And I understand the stakes that are going with it, but that's what makes it that much more exciting, right? And I dance, and I make it look elegant, and I skewer that motherfucker. Now, the, the road to get there is tough. And right now in this climate, there's a lot of risk involved because you can lose a lot. Patrice O'Neill said that funny jokes and unfunny jokes come from the same place. And it's right, right? An idea starts out as uh, you know, with some funny potential, but it doesn't mean it's funny. And it takes me months to craft it into it. It's like the first joke. So I just released the special, right? I've released two weeks of the special. What's it called? Views from the Sis, the special. It's available on YouTube. My YouTube, youtube.com slash Dangerous Show. So we can get into, you know, why sure. I do that later. But the, you know, the first, the, there's an intro joke that I do a little Me Too joke. But then there's the, you know, the first full piece. It's a six minute piece about why Trump is 100% right about grabbing pussy. Right. When he said that shit about grabbing pussy. Right. And you just you have to see it, man. I don't want to give that much away, but like I don't want to give any of it away. Matter of fact, y'all y'all should go check it out. But it's unreal. Like when when I have time to dig into a piece and use the scalpel instead of the butcher knife and you start carving away and you start refining it, refining it. And you can get it so good that there it's like you. it's never been seen before on YouTube. Like. The disparity between likes and dislikes on a on a video. Usually, you just get some dislikes because people are haters or whatever. Like, or sure. this is like six thousand, seven thousand likes and like forty dislikes. Not forty thousand, not four thousand, not four hundred. Like forty, right? Not like I really care about that. But what it says to me specifically is like, oh shit, people are respecting the 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 move the the carving here. Right, they're respecting the sculpture. They understand what's what's happening with the bit, you know. And um, yeah, I just I just love this time in comedy. You gotta love like if you're a comic, if you're a comic, you should be so fucking excited about this time where everybody's offended because this is where our legends came from, you know. Carlin, Lenny, Bruce, Pryor, these guys all developed in times like this, right, where you couldn't say shit, and they did. Right. This is what separates the men from the boys. When anybody can go out there and do comedy. Right. It's because it's safe. You see what I'm saying? Like when when few people can go out there, when people are afraid to do comedy, that's the time where you need to be doing it. Right. That's a time where you need to drop your ball. So I love this time. It's like fucking, you know, Alexander Hamilton, when he was like he was excited for war because it was his way to, like, raise his stakes in society raise his level in society. Like, that's how you should look at this as a comic. That's how I look at this comic. It's like, yeah, this is built for me. Let's go. Mm. We're not talking about fucking unicycles anymore. Let's talk about the real shit and see who can get away with it. Now, where do you find time to, you know, think about jokes? Like, you know, is it on an airplane? Is it in your bed? The reason why I say that, don't get me yeah, wrong. it's tough. You naturally are funny. It's tough, bro. Okay? Yeah. But what I mean by that, there has to be a thought process. Yeah. To go over these jokes. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's. And tough. you're always on the run. Um, yeah, I need more time. It's like I got to start. I realized, you know, this last this last year, I can't do everything myself. Sure. You know, it's like I brought on Alex. Shout out Alex Media, and uh, he's my full time video guy. So he travels with me. He goes to every show with me around the country, around the world, and um, and he you know chops up and edits all the digital content sure. that we put out. Um, and then I, you know, I, I have guys that work like part time, you know, we're starting this, um, 
we're starting this ad agency, you know, so that's a really cool, exciting thing. So I have other guys that are starting to do that. And it's like, I have to have a team of people so that I have time to write. Absolutely. You know, and, and for me, it's never writing for me, it's conversation. Like I don't need to go sit on my couch and write. I need to go have dinner with you. Like you and I need to go have dinner and then we'll start cooking up something and we'll start thinking yeah. about something, you know, and it's like, oh, shit, all right, boom, that is. Like, even today I was walking down the street with my boy Paul Verzi, right, and we were just talking about, um, you know, somebody being upset that somebody made a lot of money or, like, there was, like, a pastor. You know, some of these pastors make all this money, you know, and uh, these pastors have probably saved, if you're, like, a really good pastor, you probably saved at least 100 lives, Right? Like, a hundred lives under your belt alone. Like, somebody wanted to kill themselves and then heard you fucking talk and decided sure. not to kill themselves. Like, that is worth, right? I f forgot what was it, uh, what we were saying. Like, that is worth, you know, millions of dollars. Like, that alone is worth millions of dollars, yeah. you know? And I forget who else we were talking about, but it was like, and I was like, look, if you save two lives, that's worth millions of dollars. And then we kind of sat there for a second. We're like, all right, maybe not two, maybe like five. You know what I mean? And it was just this idea, like, how much, for me, it was like, how much should you get per life you save? You know what I mean? Like, like, this, like what does a life saved really mean? You know what I mean? Like, how much should a firefighter get when they save someone's sure. life? Like, are you fucking you kidding me? You get more me? than a salary. Fuck yeah, you get there a should bonus. should be a bonus, yeah. Every kid that comes out of there? Sure. Cat? What do you mean? What about the cats? Fuck a cat. All right, all right. But every kid? You got to give them something. I don't know how we end up paying for that shit, but like completely separate note. Have you ever looked at firefighting in reverse? No. It's one of the funniest videos you've ever seen. They Somebody just rewound a firefighting video and it's just firefighters throwing kids back into a burning house. That's, yeah, Bro, that's crazy. It is fucking hysterical. No, it's not hysterical. It's fucking hysterical, bro. <laughs> Dude, yo, you, they're so calm and casual and everything, and they're just chucking them back. No you're, one's doing anything. Yo, you're, you're, you're such a sick motherfucker. <laughs> you really are sick. Um, yeah. Listen. Yeah. Where the fuck were we? Doesn't matter. Yeah. With the priest getting money, right? Yeah. With with anybody from Maybe not a priest, right? But like uh one of these therapist. like mega pastors. Or a therapist. Therapist, yeah. Tony Robbins, like people are like, oh, he's making all this money. It's like he's saving thousands of people's lives. Like it doesn't matter if you believe it or not, he's saving thousands of people's lives. Let me ask you. Yeah. It's fucked up the system. What? If a firefighter makes keep in mind, in Jersey too, there's a lot of volunteers. Yes. That's just to get away from your wife. That's true. Yeah. But Keep in mind, if you're getting... Yo, that's how much dudes hate their wives. I, 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 why get married? No, 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 but like... No, I understand, but why get married? Like, babe, I would risk getting burnt alive in a fire so I can be away from you for two hours a week. It's a new, new skit coming <laughs> See, up. See, there's a bit there. Like, this is, this is why I love doing this is because you get these things, you know? Like, the volunteer firefighter is so funny to me. I got to talk about those guys. Like, the bravest, because they're doing it for no money, but... Are there any single volunteer firefighters? I don't think so. But think about how serious a job like that is, right? Yeah. You're getting a bell ringing. A ring. A bell is ringing. Yeah. That's telling you you got to go into a fucking fire. Fire. Yeah. To save people. Yeah. You don't even know. Yep, bro. Check this out. Yeah. If I saw you in a fucking building burning, yeah. I would come get you. Yes. I'm not you know coming me. to get somebody I don't know. Yep. You're 100 right. You. You're 100 right, bro. Burn. Burn. It is. 
I mean, that's what makes humans special, right? Is that like we can sacrifice our lives for people we don't even know, and no other animal does that. And that's why we're able to achieve these things that no other animal can do. Fundamentally speaking, that's what makes us so amazing, is that we're able to sacrifice time, sweat money for people we don't even fucking know. Even if it's 10 cents a day. Hey, I'm going to give 10 cents a day to some kid, and then they send you a picture of some random Indian kid. That's not your kid. They're just looking for a kid. There's got to be more rewards. Even like when we spoke, we spoke what about What do you think seat. those firefighters are more afraid of? When the bell rings and they have to go to the fire, or when the bell rings and their shift is over and they have to go to their wife? Not when the bell, fire, I would say the fire. Volunteer, I would say you really, then you, you don't want to go see your wife. Yeah. But these guys are making money. It's a living Do you think they ever career. lie about a fire so they don't have to go home to their wife? Yeah, it's a good question. I mean, I've, I remember saying when I was, my first time I was married, I remember mm -hmm. saying, uh, yeah, we're working late. Working. Hey, we think there's going to be another fire, so we're going to hang out. See, don't Babe, wait up for me. We think a fire's brewing. It just, it's, it's just got to feel it out there. Can you smell that? Oh, my God. All right, baby, I'll go to bed. I'll see you in the morning. Yeah, right, you go good. to bed. Just I mean, playing poker until four in the morning. Listen, listen, let me tell you something. One yeah. day, you're going to, you know, do you remember me calling you and telling you that you have, the fuck is calling? Engine that, room, baby. That you have... The ability hang up on that shit. to to uh, to be one of the greatest. Thank you. And you know why I told you this? I don't know if you remember, but I told you you don't have no kids. Right. You're not married. Right. Right. And a couple other things. So yeah. what? The Nothing point, to do with skill. No. Just you don't have kids. No. <laughs> you don't have a wife. No. But the point I was you making. You can be great. <laughs> hear me out. Hear me out. Hear me out. Yeah. See, I, that's I, funny. It, it, no, 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 no. That's humor. No, you could be. You could be next level. Unplug the phone. I'm explaining to you why. Yeah. Because you see, when you have a kid or you're married, your mindset changes. When you get older, yeah. Your mind. I want to give an example. You're talking about priorities, I think. Right. True, but I, just time, like growing up, like yeah, yeah. like like you know, it, it, like I give you an example. You don't have the same worries I have, right? Right. And what I mean by that is, like you know, I have a nineteen-year-old daughter, a four-year-old son. Right. You know what I mean? Like, and 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 there's like real issues I have to deal with. Your nineteen-year-old, does she have a boyfriend? Uh, she had one. Please, uh, the, even even her going to her prom was like something like. What happened with that? Do you ever get like worried about your daughter getting smoked and shit? You mean uh, like high? No, like oh, you having mean sex. Whacked, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I've actually had conversations. I spoke about this uh, in previous times, but she's a virgin. Um, I, I, I like to say probably not, and 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 and, but I like to say that I know she's not a slut. I know that she's, you know, <laughs> you know, I, I, she's very careful of who she does. I had talks with her when she was young. Yeah, I told her. Yeah. Everything. <laughs> I told her, look, there's going to be a guy who's going to try to put the tip of his penis in you without a condom. How do you say that to your daughter? I swear it's to God. so uncomfortable. You had, no, no, no. We were driving. So let me explain to you. Yeah. We used to go visit. We used to go visit. So How do you bring that up? So so my, 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 my mother, she loves staying at my grandmother's. And they live an hour and a half away from Brooklyn. So I would pick her up and we would go out there. And on the ride there, we were listening to music and we would talk. And it was one of our best bonding times. It's almost like if you're when you're a parent, like driving your kids to school or walking them to school is a great bonding moment to talk. Yeah. And I was asking her about some guys, and she may have been like 15 or 14 at the time. And, and I was explaining to her about condoms and, and, and the reason why they're important. And she was explaining to me that some guys, check this out, at 14, 15, we're telling them they don't use condoms. Well, yeah, because they're not fucking. Well, maybe they are. 
Oh, okay. That's what I'm trying to say. Yeah. So the point I'm... I wasn't using condoms yeah. at 14 <laughs> or 12. No, but what I'm saying is I was explaining to her Fuck. that uh, you got napkins yeah. for him. But I was explaining to her, listen, do not, no matter what you do, let somebody... Because I've been even that person where you try to put the tip in right. and you don't use a condom. I just want her to have safe sex yeah. if she has sex. So that's my conversation. Yeah. You know. And how did she take that? She said, Dad, this is awkward. It is awkward. I said it's awkward, but it's necessary. Hey, you know what's more awkward? What? The conversation where she goes, Dad, I'm pregnant. Yeah, I don't want to hear that. But but here's the thing. Tell me, tell, I, now, is this is this being, check this out. Yeah. You have a daughter, you have a son. Yeah. Two different, uh, two different ways of growing them up. Yeah. I always used to use this example. I'm glad I have a son and a daughter. I have the best of both worlds. Right. But with my son, I'm thinking when he turns 21 and I'm at the bar and he meets me for a drink. Right. Yeah, Dad, how you doing? Hey, good. Yeah, you still with that girl, son? Yeah, yeah, man. Mink, she got some big tits. Yeah, that. You know, I'm bouncing them all Right. Home. Imagine your daughter coming to the bar and saying, I'm just saying if you happen to talk, how's your boyfriend doing? Yeah, you know, he's stretching me out. You know what I mean? He's doing this. Like, <laughs> no, but think about that. You don't yeah. have these yeah. conversations. Yeah. Right? Yeah. You know how sexual conversations usually? The yeah, mother. The maybe, mother has sexual yeah, the conversations mom would with have the daughter. You, yeah. you just connect with the person of your same gender. Yeah, I'm just asking. What do yeah. you think about that? Um, yeah, I wouldn't want to know if someone was stretching out my daughter. You know? Yeah, but I guess be. I would... I wonder if I would hope my daughter was dating a guy with a big dick or a small dick. <laughs> I think I would probably hope... Huh, I wouldn't... Because you want her to be happy... Right? So you want her to have a sizable cock, but you don't want some kid to be able to look at you every day like, yo, your your daughter can't take this. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, like he comes down for breakfast and like, you know, he's just looking at you like, get hey, the fuck out why don't you give me some orange juice before I stretch your daughter out again before afternoon? <laughs> You know what I mean? Like, so it's like, it's a weird dynamic that you're going to have with the guy that's fucking your daughter, man. Uh, that Bro, is something. scary. What do you mean? It's scary because, I, I because imagine. It's, all, it's like a hush hush. Yeah. Keep in mind. It's like, a you know, me and you, you know, you're with a girl. Say yeah. you're not that close with her. You're just yeah. dating her. Yeah. I can turn to you like, Andrew, you fucking that? Oh yeah. my God, she's incredible. You know what's so weird? You can't have those conversations. You can't have those conversations. But you know what's so weird is like, for girlfriends that I've had in the past, I always wanted Pete their father's approval i always wanted their father to like me and it's like why like her father should want me to like him because i'm the one that's balls deep in your daughter <laughs> do you know what i mean like like why do i give a fuck if you like me you should be worried if i like you because then if i like you i'll be extra maybe good to your daughter because sure. I'm worried about that relationship. But, like, if the dad is going to be a dick to me, it's like, okay. I oh, think, really? I think it's just, it's, you know, it's it's just wanting to please the dad because it's their dad. Yeah, it's, fucking shit is I'm tough. I'm fucking on your pull-out couch. Yeah, it's sad. It's your pull-out couch, Pops. That's what I'm saying. It's What's a, good? It's a secret society. Yeah. They don't even know. Pops you not have a conversation with me at dinner? All right. Crazy. Pops is going to sit down and it's come all over the fucking uh, pull But it doesn't couch. have to be that way. If you're just a nice guy to me, I don't have to nut all over your pull-out couch. Oh, hopefully you don't. <laughs> There's a reason it's called a pull-out couch. Because your boy is pulling out all over I it. like that. <laughs> no, uh, years ago we spoke about sleeping with fans. Yes. Do you still do you that? You know that clip did really well. Yeah. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. 
So yeah. let's go part two. Are you still sleeping with fans? Of course. Now you said it. It's our. I don't know if you said something before, but you said something like it's our. It's our duty. Mm-hmm. To you know, I forgot how you said it, but it depends. I feel like I don't know if I said this before, but this is how I feel about it now. It's like a lot of times, especially with with podcasts and stand up, it's a very intimate relationship with your fans, right? You know, with stand up, they're knowing my deepest, darkest feelings about the world, and podcasting, they know more about my life than my best friends. They're listening to me four hours to six hours a week. Sure. Okay, so when they meet me, they're meeting somebody that they already know and they're already friendly with, and they feel like is one of the closest people to them sure. in their life, right? Sure. Now, I don't have that connection to them right away, but I feel very calm and comfortable with them. These people know I don't have to put on a facade, right? Ross from Friends, everybody he meets thinks he's Ross from Friends. They don't think he's David Schwimmer. They don't care if David Schwimmer, the real dude, is different than Ross from Friends. They're looking at him like, yo, all right, cool, that's cool. Go back to the Ross shit. Mm-hmm. Be Ross. If he's fucking fans, he's catfishing them. Mm. Think about it. Because they're fucking Ross. You know what I mean? They're fucking the Ross filter. That's what they're there for. They're fucking the Ross. So for me, that would crush me. Like, I do not want to be known for a character that isn't me. That would crup- That would cripple me, man. Imagine operating that world. Everybody's coming up to you and saying these fucking lines and shit that have nothing to do with you. You don't believe in it at all. You don't feel any part of it. It's just your whole life is a lie. It's like Dice Clay. It's like Dice Clay isn't that guy. Dice Clay is a Jewish dude from Brooklyn sure. who started pretending to be an Italian. And then he got so successful, he just decided to be that. He's trans-Italian. He's Dolezal. Trans-Italian. He's the Rachel Dolezal of, of, Italians. of Italians, yeah. But like that's what happens. The pressure is so heavy. The pressure is so heavy to please the fan. You end up just becoming what they want. Sure. And I refuse to do that. So I have to deliver you who I am so you can connect with that. So if you connect with that and you're a fan and we vibe, then yeah, why shouldn't we have sex? That's we like just jumped we just jumped ahead of like mad steps. Sure. Like when you meet sure. somebody the idea is get to know them. Well, we halfway there. You know me. So what's up with you? It's like relationships when you used to hang on, on the phone. If you talked on the Forever. phone a couple of times. You know, you hang up. No, you hang up. Mm-hmm. No, you hang up. That phone calls helped ease the process of when you meet or when you meet next. thousand percent. But these kids don't know what the fuck that is. No, no. I'm, I'm <laughs> these kids don't know about talking <clears throat> on the phone before. You know, even even saying with fans... You're you you're you're blessed as well, and and sometimes you may not even realize this, but being a comedian, yes, being a talented comedian, yes, but then doing a podcast, doing two podcasts, yes, you have you're like ten steps already ahead of a comedian, yes, that is doing it for ten years, yes. You know why? Because he's relying on his night, you know, his stand up at, at night yep. or whatever. You, it's it's insane. He's trying to build a fan base, you know, two hundred people you, per show, right? And you have a built-in fan base. I'm building a fan base, a fan base. 100,000 people show, 300,000 people show around the world. I mean, this is how you do it. This is how you got to empower yourself. This is what the L.A. comedy scene did that the New York comedy scene hasn't figured out. Mm. That's what I'll be doing after this special is I got to congeal the New York comedy scene. Yeah. Because the L.A. comedy scene, you have all these comics that got their podcasts and they got really power and they got uh, really popular and then they got empowered. And when comics run the industry, the content is always great. When the industry runs the industry, the content is always trash. It's no different than music. It's no different than anything. If the 
if the people who don't make the content are making the decisions, it will not be good. If the people that do make the content are making decisions, we're in for a nice, fun ride. Look at, I mean, I'm not the, the, the you know, most well-known dude about hip-hop, but, like, when I think about myself coming up, the, the, the most potent movements in music that I can think about, obviously there's, you know, Biggie and the New York movement, but I really, truly remember that Hot Boys movement. And that was so organic to the artists, right? They were so intimately involved in the creation of that. Like, they were one step away from the exec. Sure. You know? It wasn't a couple guys in an office. They're like, okay, we like face tattoos now. Find me a kid with face tattoos. Right? It was like, here were these dudes. They were all friends, all came up together, all rapping. And they were just all featuring on each other's shit. It wasn't like, okay, let me go get a feature from Kendrick because that's going to make the song blow up. Or let me get a feature from Drake because that's going to make the song blow up. Wayne was just like, hey, man, Juvie, you want to do a feature on this one? Okay. Right? It was super yeah, yeah, organic. Yeah. Right? So... For me, that's what I need to make the New York scene happen. It's uh, it's it's too competitive. People don't want to help each other, and um, and they don't want to help each other because they're not in situations where they're financially stable. And I need to. That's what I've been doing with my whole like approach to content in general is just trying to like teach these folks that like you can empower yourself through the internet. You don't have to be waiting for Comedy Central or Netflix to cut you a check. You can empower yourself and then get on the road and make money on the road. You did that with your last special. Now, you were a little, you know, I remember... I changed, I changed comedy with my last special. You know, it's funny. You were just with Joe Rogan recently. No, and, no, I wasn't. Uh, oh, that yeah. wasn't recently? Well, he he came to my show in L.A. But yeah, somewhere yeah. I heard that he, he wants a, to take your approach with releasing comedy. Is that true? Uh, well, him and Bill Burr talked about it on uh, his podcast. Okay. But, uh, yeah, that was, yeah, that was unreal when he came to the show in L.A., man. That was like, yeah, that was like a special moment, man, because I, I finished out the tour in L.A. We did two shows at the Comedy Store and sold them out, and Joe Rogan walked into the fucking green room in between shows, and, you know, he's our generation is Johnny Carson. So, sure. like, I think, like, for me, I never had, um, like, I didn't, wasn't ra raised with religion, so I never understood the, I, I, I never had, like, the uh, sustained faith thing, and then something happened. Does that make sense? Like, where in religion, it's often like, hey, pray on that, pray on that, sure. pray on that. And then when something happens, you're like, oh, my God, this works. So, like, for me, when it, when, you know, maybe two years ago, all the networks said no about the com about my comedy special. And I was like, I had to I had to figure out how I could break into this business, even though all the doors were closed. Right. So it was like to go to, like, figure out that strategy. And then two years later be selling out two shows at the comedy store and then have literally the top of the business walk into the green room and say, Hey man, I want to check you out, man. I heard great things and do a spot on the show. It was just an unreal moment. You know what I'm saying? For me. Sure. And like what was so unreal about it is I asked for none of that. I stopped asking. I removed desire for things out of my control from my life. I stopped wanting things and started making things. I bought all my cameras. I hired my friends. And I said, okay, I want to do a show where comedians discuss, you know, offensive jokes. Let's shoot it. I didn't go, 
okay, here's my idea. Let's go to the networks and pitch it and then get turned down. I stopped wanting things out of my control and I want to shoot my own special and I want to do it in, you know, four different countries in Europe and I want to shoot a tour documentary with it and I'll fly two guys out with me. Let's do it. The second I stopped asking the universe for shit and trying to take from the universe and the second I just started giving the universe shit, it gave me back everything and more. And I had like immense gratitude. I was emotional on the way back from LA because if you knew like that journey and the faith that I had to have in that journey, you know, like everybody saying what I should have done on the way and then me going, no, we're not going to do it. No, just trust this. Like you're really rolling the dice on your fucking career. And to like be able to like be so raw and pure and authentic and just about my care about the comedy and care about the game and for like the comedy universe to kind of like gravitate around that and like prop me up. It was so cool. And then that moment he walked in the green room, I was like, wow, man, that's, this is fucking unreal. It's like feeling like you unlocked some sort of key to life. You know, it's just do not just give, man. It's like everything I do on social media for stand-up and everything I've done, that's for comics. And even if you're not a comic, if you're just another creative, that's a blueprint for you. This is for you. I'm giving this for you, to you to emulate and improve upon, and when you improve upon it, tell me about that shit. You know what I mean? So we can continue to build. I'm a resource for my comedy brothers and sisters. That's what this is about. But I, I couldn't have gotten there, Pete, if I wasn't reduced to nothing first. Hit rock bottom. I had to, now my rock bottom is still I got an apartment in New York City. I got a great podcast with Charlemagne. I got all these things, but like my what 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 I mean by rock bottom is like every door closed into the stand up side of the business. I'd still done some acting, some sitcoms, that kind of shit like that, but the stand up side of the business, all the doors closed. And I remember how I remember how you upset that you know I was broken. I was broken, but I needed to be broken. I needed, you just got to unplug the phone and then they can't call it because it doesn't have Stop any electricity. Stop Who the fuck is calling? So. They know you're here, Chelsea. That's it. They're calling from. So. I, any cord that's in it, you just unplug it. Good. So the, uh, I need to be broken, bro. I needed like, before that, I was going like this. I was like, hey, what are you guys going to give me? You know, I was like so many creatives. Look how good I am at this. You guys should give me things because of that. You were on MTV. You know, you were doing you were doing comedy. So I'm sure you felt. I don't want to say entitled, but you I did. Felt, I felt entitled. Okay. And then I needed. I felt entitled, but at the same time, there was fear. I couldn't create boldly because I had the fear of losing something. I felt like I had something, a little bit of something. And I had the fear of losing it. And once all the doors closed, I had nothing. And there is immense value in getting comfortable with nothing. And that was the ecosystem preparing me to lead. And in order to lead and be bold and be fearless, I had to get comfortable with the potential of having nothing. 
because mm. if I'm comfortable there, you can't take anything from me. You know, sure. it's like when you got a nice job making 200 grand a year, you're going, oh, shit, I don't want to lose this. Let me not ruffle any feathers. Sure. But when you're fine at zero. Right. You're like, oh. OK, I'm going to say whatever the fuck I want. And then they go, well, we might take something from you. And you're like, it's okay. I'm already cool back there. I know how to camp. You know what I mean? I got my lamp. I got my water. I know how to make a fire, you know, metaphorically speaking. And once I got in that state, I was just like, all right, fuck it. Let's go. It's the best thing that happened in my career is just have being from nothing comes everything. That's what I learned. Did you, you know, let me tell you something. That may be the most gem dropping I heard you in a while. Yeah. You know, you don't get serious like that. You know, did did you ever take a moment to realize, you know, how you over, like where you are now? Yeah, I I try to are you proud? Are you proud? Like I'm so I'm just grateful. And what happens when you shift your perspective is like, instead of creating, when you get brought to nothing, right? You find out what you really love and what you really want. Like I always thought I wanted this HBO special or this Netflix special. That's not what I wanted. I just wanted to do comedy because I love creating. And then secondarily, I wanted people to see it, right? Back in the day when I was growing up, the only way they could see it was on TV or live. Now we have this amazing thing called the internet, which is way more effective than Netflix or HBO. And it was sitting right in front of me. And it was almost like, it was almost like, you know, the world was just like, hey, idiot, do I really have to close every door before you realize where the fuck you're supposed to put your content? And then I was like, oh, I still want my special. special. And they was like, all right, fine, here, I'm closing every door. It was like I was being led into the direction, and I was just too stupid to see it, you know? And um, the second I started putting clips out, man, it took a little while, but then they started to go viral, man, and it was crazy all around the world, and I started selling out shows all around the world. I really felt it when I did that European tour and then all these shows were sold out and it was just like, I'm doing comedy in places where they don't even speak English. Something's happening. That's Something. fucking special. But gratitude, man. Like, when you fall, at least for me, when I fell in love with, when I realized that I love the creating, like I love podcasts and I love these conversations, I love making comedy. When you realize you love making it, if people see it and like it, that's icing on the cake. Sometimes we'll go film something. Like I went up to Washington Heights with Alex and we filmed this dropping in episodes, this travel show I do where I did stand up in Spanish and we went around the neighborhood. I learned about the neighborhood. I learned all these cool things culturally about it. And at the end of that day, we're both sitting there smiling and I'm like, I'm like yo, do you feel good? And he's like, yeah, dude, this was the fucking best. And we didn't even make it yet, but we fell in love with the creative process. Right. So once we put it out and people loved it, you're overwhelmed because you're like, yo, I already got I filled that void in me. And now you're giving me extra. Oh, shit. You know, like it, it's a it's a f amazing fucking feeling, man. You know, they say most comics and this has been over the years. Sure. Sure. Get depressed. Yeah. I mean, I got to monitor my shit, man. Yeah. Like, I got to catch it. I got to see it coming. I can't, I came up in a family where both of my parents were, like, chronically depressed. So I was very aware from an early age of what depression was. 
the symptoms of depression, you know, what it did to people. So, like, even as a young, young kid, I developed systems to, like, deal with it. What type of system? You don't remember? If I had a negative thought, I'd balance it with three positive thoughts. You know? It just, like... And, and you know, you talk about privilege. Here's, here's an interesting thing, like, is... Um, Life really is perspective. Some people might look at me and go, man, that's sad that he grew up with these two chronically depressed parents. You know? Um, I look at it as an immense privilege because I had two parents that were aware of mental illness at a time way before the general public was aware of it and accepted it. So I was good to go. I was ready. They were asking me things like, how do you feel? You're a little down. Are you up? You know, like... I was like trying to figure out my brain from a young age. I was like, okay, why am I feeling down when I do this? Okay, boom, boom. Okay, I need to exercise. Exercise makes me feel good. Oh, being around people makes me feel good. Uh, sometimes I need to have some time to myself. Like I was finding out the, I was finding out the, the you know, the algorithm, the happiness algorithm for my life. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Yeah. So yeah. that's like, in a weird way, I'm so grateful for my parents' depression. Yeah. Like, it's weird, like, you know, it, but it's something you're, I'm sensitive to, you know? You know, it's crazy when you say it like that, too, because back in the day, if you had an issue, people didn't know what it was, Nothing. so they didn't pay attention to it. Nothing. If you had well, a learning disorder or, uh, or anything. Yeah. They just threw you in the class. They just threw you in that other class. Listen, you know what? Let's take a quick break. Yeah. Sitting here with my friend Andrew Schultz. Uh, don't go nowhere, but go to YouTube. Check out some of these clips, some of this, some of this comedy, some of the comedy tour. Yeah, youtube.com slash Andrew Schultz, man. It's uh, I drop a new clip every Sunday for the special. The special is six parts. Go watch it, you know, and uh, dig into the catalog. There's previous. Uh, oh man, I have tons there. of other clips. You know, we have this show Inside Jokes where the comics are discussing the fucked up jokes. My travel show, it's like. My Anthony Bourdain shit, but I do it through comedy instead of food, and and um, it's called dropping in, and uh, yeah, just go indulge in that content, man. That's what we're building up. We'll be right back. Cheer. Oh, what's up? This is Heather Hunter, and you're locked into the Premium Pete Show. Let's get it all night. That's right. And we're back. Same here with my guy. Andrew Schultz, a.k.a. Yes. Has it. You still playing basketball? Still playing ball, man. And right. kickboxing. That's my new shit. And what the fuck is kickboxing? Like, I mean, I know what kickboxing is, but like, where is this coming from? Uh, I enjoy fighting. I've always liked fighting. I used to box. Um, but you know what else? I realize it's important. Um, like having something outside of our career. To do? To do no, to get better at. Mm. Not just do. But to learn and get better at, but that doesn't have the stakes of the career. You know, like everything in our career that we're learning and getting better at, you know, all the projects you're working on, sure. et cetera, has a lot of weight to it. Because it's like, yo, this is how I pay my bills. This is how, you know, this is how I provide for my family, all this kind of stuff. Right. Sure. Like, it's nice to have a break from that, which is just like, hey, I got better at kickboxing today. It's just some stupid shit. Yeah, sure. I learned how to kick. But for, you know, for me, I'm like, oh, that was exciting learning how to do that kicking thing. 
<laughs> yeah, like I, I was a traditional boxing guy, so does, I never learned how to do the kicks. Does it relieve like stress, or does it? You feel like it helps you with today? I feel like I got, I was more stressed because I, I was so fucking exhausted. I'm 35, right? Yeah. So I'm not like a spring chicken, and I just got so exhausted after the class, and I went home and I slept for like four hours, and I woke up to like 40 unread emails and texts and all these other things. So it's just like panic attack. Like you just wake <laughs> up in a fucking panic yeah, attack. You see all green fucking Bro, missed calls. Tons of green. You know the sun is coming down. I'm like, oh, fuck, what time is it? Pete? I got to do Pete's thing at 7. Da, da, da. So it was just I woke up <laughs> in free. Even when I walked in today, you remember when I walked in today and I sat down, you were telling me about something, and I was handling a text call. Yeah, yeah, I was yeah, like, there's like a million different things. Good. I get it, yeah. Yeah, anyway. No, 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 it's, it, it, that's life. Yeah, it is. So, so you're saying things like kickboxing has helped you you need to get out of this. This business is so consuming, right? You need to have your thing. And I think a lot of people have their family. I don't have a family yet. You know, so like you spend an hour with your kid, I assume you're on a different planet. Yeah. Everything slows down. Hey, catch this ball. He catches it. Yeah. He throws back. It's like meditation in a way, right? It's I, I focus on my breathing. I'm just staring at this thing that came out of my dick, and it's a fucking human, and it's saying my name, and it's just like everything gets real small, right? Everything gets microscopic. You're staring at sperm that turn into a fucking human being that looks at you like you're pretty much God, right? Because you're providing everything in his life, and it's in that moment— you're not thinking about Benson fucking up the audio. Yeah. You know what I mean? You're not no, thinking yeah, about yeah. the phone ringing. Sure. So I don't have that. So I got to kick shit. <laughs> <laughs> One day you will. You know, honestly, God willing, man. God I, willing. I, I, That'd be so honestly, Ill. I mean this. Yeah. Being a father is 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 very tough. Um, I have, you know, it's funny. I remember Charlemagne uh, brought this up. I went to go support him in Philadelphia because I live close by there. Yeah. He had a book signing. And he was talking about, obviously, his book was about anxiety. Yes. He brought up about parenting anxiety. Yes. And I was like, fuck, I never thought of that. I I swear to you. Yes. I go to bed some nights, even with my daughter, did I do the best job? Did I? Yes. Was I good enough to her? Did I give yes. too much? Did I spoil? I, I swear to God, I bugged myself out. But yeah. I will say this. Yeah. When you have young kids. Yeah. And you will one day. Uh, they're not going to just be old right away <laughs> unless you adopt them. Um, when you have young kids, my son, I come home. You know what my son tells me? What? He's in before years old. He said, Dad, you're my best friend. Oh. I guarantee you you'll do 100 shows. Start crying. I no, no, no. I guarantee you crying. you'll do 100 shows. You'll get fire in your eyes even more than you already have. Yes. You're a very motivating person for yourself as well. Like, and then put like, a kid there, forget oh, it. Oh, forget it. Now, what? Can you find a girl? What happened? You had a couple of girls. What happened, bro? I don't know. Maybe I'm fucked up. Maybe I'm broken. No. Are you too busy? Is it, no, you, it's you not that. Found there's been times, and I've had a pretty amazing girls enter my life. Um, I think I think there's, if I, if I really think about it and try to break it down, um, I think that uh, I, it's a delicate equation to, like, maintain my happiness, right? It's like... You know, like a like a pond or some shit. You know how like the ecosystem is delicate, right? And if you you know bring another fish into that pond, the whole thing could fall sure. apart, right? Right? The fish start eating the other fish, and then like the pond scum builds up, and then it's just nonsense, you know. So like, I think it took a lot of work, and it still takes work to keep me at equilibrium. Sure. And then you throw in another person, 
and all of a sudden that equilibrium gets out of whack and I haven't put enough focus into finding a way to balance it. You know, so my whole theory with the with a girl is like, you don't have to make me happy, just don't make me less happy. Sure. So the second I start to feel less happy, I start to pull back. I'm like, ah, this ain't this ain't right, because why would I diminish my happiness to be with you? You know? Sure. Add value. Don't even like I know you you speak about this all the time in business, and that's probably why you have so many incredible relationships, because you always you always add value, you always try to bring value. But like for me, just don't take away value. That's sure. my if like if we stay even right here, that's golden, man. You know, and you know, and think about it. Sometimes when we're younger or just going out, you're looking to, you're looking to hang out with somebody. You're looking to have sex. Yeah. Like say if you don't know this girl, but you met her twice. Like I'm trying to bang her. Yeah. You know, think about it. You're not thinking I love doing about that. Of course, yeah. you're not thinking about creating a family. Correct. The same, I want to explain to you how real it gets. Yes. The same girl you're banging all over your New York City apartment. Yes. One day you got a fucking Legos all over that apartment. <laughs> it changes like this. Did you prepare for that? It just happens yeah. by sex. Yes. I feel like you're giving me the same talk you gave your daughter. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> by sex. And they're going to try to get the tip in yeah. without a condom. She's probably texting a friend. My dad is a fucking asshole. Let me tell you, no matter how, who you are, mm -hmm. you're not cool to your daughter. My, my, my daughter's friend used to be like, oh, your dad has all the sneakers. He yeah, looks like yeah, this. Yeah. He, he's friends with all the... And, and he's like, yeah, it's my dad. Yeah, yeah, he's, yeah, he's, yeah. Whatever, he's corny. You know? But I don't care if my daughter thinks I'm cool as long as she thinks I'm her dad. Yeah. Like, you're not... You don't got... Like, if my son... Like, when you said, dad, you're my best friend, right? Like, my son says that to me, I'm breaking down. You know? But I don't need to be my daughter's best friend. Yeah. I get it. You know what I mean? I'm your dad. Sure. I'm here to protect you. I'm here to keep you safe. You know what I mean? Like, I almost feel like that son relationship, and maybe, you know, you shed some wisdom on this, but, like, that son relationship morphs. It's like you're curating a man. You're building a man. You know, you're building a human being to continue the legacy of your family and, like, to continue putting the vibes out there in the world that you've sure. put out. So, like, eventually they get to a point where you think they've arrived— and then they get to be a general in the army too. You know? I like that. Right? It's like you start out as infantry, but eventually you could be a general. And I'm I might be four star and you're like a two star because you're my but you're a general still. Sure, you sure. get the buttons. Where it's the daughter, it's like you're not in the army. It's you know what I mean? This we're not building this for you. It's a different situation for you. You know, it's maybe maybe they're best friends with the mom. But it's my job, at least at least how I, that's how I always felt. It's like it's always gonna be my job, even when we're fucking ninety in a wheelchair. You know, it's your job to keep that baby, that daughter safe. Sure. You probably tell your son to go punch somebody in the face, but your daughter, you'd be like, all right, just you know, hit him with a cane or some shit. Like, sure. But some people are crazy. You know, you think about it. I don't know how much you know about kids. And uh, uh, sports games where their parents go nuts. There's been gunshots, fights. Oh, yeah. Meaning, my mom did it. Yeah, my mom walked right into the middle of the soccer field and and uh, stopped the game because the coach wasn't putting in my uh, my little brother. My my mom's crazy. But that's not crazy, bro. She's crazy. Like, 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 let me ask him. That coach should have said, "Look, ma, get back to the side." Yeah. Think about it. There's people arguing with the refs, ready to fight them. 
It's cr- like when you start going to these parent games, yeah. it's insane. I'm not that guy. Yeah, I'm never gonna be that. You know, look, I, 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 my nephew was in baseball. There was a guy like you know, his kid was up to bat. Lift up your shoulder. You're never gonna be Jeter. Lift up your shoulder. You know, like That's like screaming at him. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. it's like either the kids can you guide them. But anyway, listen. Yeah. More to Andrew Schultz. Okay. Whatever you want to talk Some about. Some people huh? love you. Yes. Some people. I would say I would say they don't love you, but I think some people. Some people don't love me at all, man. Why is that? Do you know? I think you're more misunderstood. They don't really know you. They just don't love what you. They don't give. If if they're not listening fully, I'm not saying you're right all the time, but they have to listen fully till we see where you're coming from. Yeah, nobody that nobody that hates me has ever had a conversation with me. You know, but I'm not here to be like only loved. Sure. If I'm only loved, I ain't doing it right. Sure. You know what I mean? Like I'm a polarizing figure because of what I am. Right. Like people are affected by me because I hit them in their gut. Right. There's a reason why I affect you because you know that I penetrate. Mm. Right. Like when I speak to you, I don't speak to you based on what we want the world to be. I speak to you based on what the world is. Mm. Facts. Facts. And just like gut. You know what I mean? Like like I always say with comedy, it's like why can old women laugh at your shows and they laugh at all this crazy stuff that you say? And it's like because I'm tapping into their gut. I'm not tapping into up here. The comedy starts. It's reptilian. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Sure. Like there's a reptile part of our brain that cannot help but laugh at shit. Right? And the same thing with on any podcast or anything like that, it's like no person that ever did anything great was universally loved. Matter of fact, he was very divisive. Who? Any great person in history. Yeah. There's never been a great, you name one great man in history that was universally loved. You know, Bob Marley, peace, love, happiness, got shot. You know what I'm saying? Motherfucker got shot. Like, obviously, like, you go through any great person, you're going to naturally have people that hate on them because what greatness does is it shakes someone's foundation and nobody likes their foundation shaken. So to all those people that you might not like me or you, you know, you, you hate me or all these types of things, it's like, thank you. Because you keep me sharp. If everybody liked me, I wouldn't have to use the fine tooth comb and the scalpel, but when I go through these bits, I'm trying to entertain the people who love me. Yeah. And I'm trying to enrage the people who don't. Because mm. I'm trying to make it so flawless that you might not say it out loud, but in your own head you're like, oh, shit, that's kind of funny. Maybe I was wrong. And now I'm shaking your foundation again. You know? You're a crazy motherfucker. Yeah. Yo, what's up with the... <laughs> yeah. You went on tour with Lil Duval. That was so crazy, man. Shouts to Lil Duval. That's one of my, like, spirit animals right there, man. He's like a... Did you, uh, did you set out to guru. murder him on stage? Did I set out to murder him? Yeah. What do you mean? Like, like body him? Like, make sure that I did better? Well, I, I wouldn't say personally like that, but meaning, did you make... Were, were you coming correct? Or, or you just always come correct? No, you always got to come correct, you know? But doing those shows, it was a challenge. Why? Because um, his audience don't show up on time. Really? Yeah, and I went first right after the host, so I was basically just like ushering in the crowd. 
So they were still walking in? Yeah. Hey, look at this white guy. What was he exactly, yeah, exactly. So, but it was, I mean, I'm just such a big fan of Duval like, as like the thinker. So it was great to just be a part of that. And, you know, Duval's the first headliner to ever bring me on the road. Really? I've never been offered to come on the road by a headliner or anything like that. He was the first one that's ever did it. And what, what shows did you do? I did Buffalo, Columbus, and Baltimore. Nice. Yeah, and they were fun. Columbus was my favorite. Buffalo was fun, too. And, um, and yeah, it was just fun, man. I mean, his crowds are great. He puts on this amazing, like, it's like a spectacle. It's really got me thinking about comedy and how we can do comedy different and how we can make comedy this bigger fucking thing. Like, he definitely thinks big picture. I can't say enough good things about Lil Duval. I truly cannot. Yeah. I'm like some of the most I've I've sat down with these like, you know, these pop intellectuals, you know, the people that you see that are thought leaders of the world and all that kind of shit like that. And the conversations I've had with Duval, who has no formal education and comes from nothing, are twice as elevated mm. as the conversations I've had with these like professors and intellectuals around the world. Twice. Mm. Meaning Duval would have to dumb shit down for them to understand conceptually what he's talking about. Mm. God bless. Telling you, man. That guy is the truth. And he's talented, man. The The truth. Talented. He's got a bright, bright journey ahead of him. Of course. You know, music too. I love what he's doing. But he gets it. He gets life, man. Like he understands. He understands these fundamental things about life. Mm. And a lot of the, a lot of things about life you can't understand until you experience you know, that's why we try to show people instead of tell people. Sure. You know, like every rich person will tell you money won't make you happy. Every poor person is going to tell you when they get money, they're going to be happy. Yeah. Right? When you look at it like that, yeah. So it's like, so who do we listen to? We got to listen to the rich dude because he's had the money. But every poor person is going to go, nah, when I have it, it's going to be different. No, it's not. But you need to get there to realize you don't need it. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? You need to get there to realize where it is. So I don't even stop people on that journey. Go chase that bread. Jay-Z wants to be a billionaire. You're going to be a, you're going to be a disappointed-ass billionaire. But when he gets there, he'll tell us. It's just a uh, it's just a carrot. Like, what's the difference between $999 million and a billion? Nothing. Well, yeah, you got to find a balance. You got to find a balance that makes you happy. It's just another thing to distract yourself. Sure. That's all it is. It's just a goal. It's like I'm doing kickboxing, he's trying to be a billionaire. It's like... <laughs> The one thing I would say is, like, how many people got to get hurt for you to be a billionaire? Who knows? Somebody got to go. You can't go there ethically, dog. Billion dollars, that's a lot of money. Someone got to get squashed. Yeah. You know what I mean? Them iPhones are nice, but they're made by child slaves. Couple of rub outs. Something's happening. (laughs) Maybe. You know, did you ever make any, like, crazy purchase that, you know, when you started making money? Yeah. I spend way too much money on clothes because my friends who have hookups with clothes don't get me shit. (laughs) Killing it, dog. No, no, no. You've been you've been stepping up your game. I've been stepping up because it cost me so money, much money. I just walk into Kith and I drop three grand every time I fucking walk in there. Yeah. When it's like, can't you just call up these fucking companies and get me this shit? You got yeah. all the connects. Yeah. I spent three thousand dollars last time I was in Kith just because I was going to do a bunch of podcasts in LA. I want to look right. <laughs> you Shut couldn't up. get me this shit. I mean, I'll speak to Ronnie. I'll speak to Ronnie. I'll speak to I him. got a discount though. Yeah. Yeah. I had people there. Shout out to Mike and, and uh Jake, I think. But they took care of me or Justin. Justin maybe. But uh but I'm saying like we gotta go right to the to the brand. For sure. Bro. What's the deal? Well we worked on some things, but you will work more. You yeah, know? you're right. No, no, um, you're right. MTV two. You're yes. a long time guy code alumni. Are you yes. guy, guy guy code alumni? Yeah. What the fuck happened with them? 
The game changed, bro. The game changed. Everything is changing. We're in a insane uh, time for content, especially television. You're watching television crumble. It is falling apart. Sitcoms are dead. There will never be another sitcom again that is successful. Mark my words. There will never be another sitcom again. Why are you saying that? Because the internet is exposing what we really like about things, right? Uh, in the same way that if you go look at porn, you don't just go pick any porn. You got a specific thing that you like, right? I like feather porn, right? I like bukkake, right? <laughs> I like midget porn, right? You like a specific, Small they got people. categories of that shit, okay? Because there's so much that you can possibly, there's so much you could take in. So when it comes to sitcom, what's your favorite sitcom of all time? Um... What's the sitcom you like? We don't got to be that Cosby serious. Cosby Show. Cosby Show, right? So, what's your I, favorite? I, I loved Who's the Boss. Okay, what's your favorite scene in Who's the Boss uh, that you can remember? Just a scene. Just, just, just. I loved the interaction he had with his daughter related to. You Great. Know, I learned a lot. You know, right. just like Tony and uh, sure, of course. I did more. a, I did but a show actually, with Tony Danza. Yeah. Cosby Show is where I love. My favorite part is when. Um, he was uh, Theo was explaining to him about moving out. Mm -hmm. He's like, "All right, you make eight hundred dollars." He's like, 300 is going to be rent." And he started pulling it from literally teaching him finance. Finance. That and was one of my favorite. Parts. Just out of curiosity, what happened in the beginning of that episode? I don't remember. What happened at the end? Uh, I don't remember. That's why there'll be no more sitcoms. Now, I could ask you what happened in the beginning of a Sopranos episode. You could tell me. I could ask you what happened at the end of a Sopranos episode. You could tell me. Because with drama, the story arc is what matters. We're going from here to here. With sitcoms, all sitcoms are are a series of sketches, and they need to fill 30 minutes of time, right, on TV, because you need to fill it. You can't just have nothing on a channel. Sure. So what they did is they wrote a story arc around these sketches, but you don't even need the story arc. So sitcoms will just become series of sketches featuring the same people. And this is what you see with Instagram comedians kind of already. They're just doing these sketches with their same group of friends, and it's the same kind of stuff. That will morph into a little bit more structured and detailed sketches on the internet. The sitcom only existed because we need someone to fill 9 to 9.30. What do you got? Okay, this Seinfeld kid. All right, throw it on. You don't need that whole episode to do the muffin top. You just need one scene. Yeah. You think these uh, Instagram comedians could really be successful as uh, comics? If they're funny, they can. If they're not funny, they can. I mean, that you know, it, that just comes down to like who you are, what you are. I don't have any animosity to them at all. I actually love it, like, because a lot of them set the bar low for us. Like that's why I tell comics to get into the social media game. Like I got in. You know, it's like. You, if you're a stand-up comic and you're good, you're the best at being funny in the world. That's the hardest thing to be funny at, on stage with a mic. Sure. So if you could do that, you could definitely put something out on Instagram that's funny. So get in the game. <coughs> Simple as that. You know, Brilliant Idiots has been going on for years. Yes. And still kicking. Yes. Still, still, still very relevant. Still very good. Thank you. Okay. Was there ever a point, because I know, you know, was there ever a point that, you felt that brilliant idiots would come to an end? 
I wasn't sure. I would never stop doing Brilliant Idiots. I would never. I mean, you know, Charlemagne got into a little shit uh, earlier this year. Um, and so there was some concern about what was going to happen. You know, it took a couple of weeks off. It really just kind of let shit calm down. And, um, but I was never going to stop doing it, you know, in any shape or form just because I love it and I think it's important. And I understand the value. Sometimes things are bigger than you. I understand the value that it has to people. Like, people look to us as a resource to unpack sure. certain shit and obviously have fun and fuck around and sell jokes and, you know, just be silly and irreverent. But, like, also they want to know. They want to unpack. You know, and, they and like, sometimes you got a responsibility that's bigger than you. You know, so you got to do it. And it brings me joy to do that. So, yeah, I, I don't think, for me, it would never have stopped. Yeah. You know, but I I was concerned that there might have been a moment where where that happened. But but yeah, for me, no. Well, yeah, because sometimes when a pause happens, sometimes it hurts. But you guys were able to uh, come over the hurdle. Because, you know, it's like Combat Jack show. I'll never forget. Um, they were doing something with the studio. So the guy was like, yeah, yeah, you know, you guys take off a month. Can't. He was like, Combat had the foresight. This is where Chris Morrow came in the picture. How crazy yeah. is this? Yeah. He put a tweet out there. Anybody have a studio? Because Combat told me, he said, look, if they want us to take a month, that means three months. We'll lose our audience. Yep. Chris Mar he puts a tweet out, you know, gets back to him. Chris motherfucking yeah. Mar. Says, wow. I got a spot for you. Put us up in, uh, you know, uptown, and, and, and we never stop taping. You can't stop. You got to go. Dog, it's like, I mean, we went to L.A. I went to L.A. to do all these shows and podcasts and shit like that. We filmed, I filmed two podcasts while out there. Nice. You know what I mean? Like, we found studio space. Shout to, you know, Fighter and the Kid and Brendan Shaw for supplying that. And then the Minimalist podcast for supplying that. Check out both of them. They're fucking great. But, like, yeah, you got to do it, man. Consistency is everything on social, on the internet. It's, it's everything, man. You know, you, you ever get to a point where you're telling a joke. Yeah. And you feel like the audience is not getting it. Yeah, all the time. How the hell do you overcome that? You have a moment you remember? Yeah. What 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 honestly like Yeah. There was this blackface joke that I was talking about and I was trying to like find the funny in it, you know, cuz there was all these guys that had like the blackface, you know, um sure. pictures. All these white people had these old blackface pictures. And uh I've been thinking about it too hard. You know, it's like you ever look at an image so close that it's sure, blurry? Sure. That's how sure. I was with the joke. I was like right up on it, right? Uh, and I just went on stage and I just said it. I just said blackface. And I just kind of like sat there with the audience with it. And then there's a weird thing that happens to me. Like when an audience laughs or gives me positive energy, something happens in my brain and it just starts firing, right? So like I just came up with the bit, at least part of the bit right there. You know, it was just like, oh, fuck, that's what it is. That's the joke. So, yeah, it happens. And for me, in order to get through it, is just to put myself in the most vulnerable situation possible, right, and just jump. You know, a lot of this shit is cliff diving. Sure. This industry's cliff diving. It's sure. like, that's what people don't get, man. It's like, here's the thing about cliff diving. Nobody wants to be the first person to jump off the cliff. Sure. Because you don't know how deep the water is, you know? So, like, my value right now is I'll jump off the cliff because I'm not worried about the depth. 
You know what I'm saying? I got faith that there's enough water down there. You know, so I realized I had to, and if I was going to move the industry, I had to do it from underneath them. You know, it's just like the industry, what they do, they're a sailboat. They're just going to go with the wind, right? They can't go in the direction of the wind, physically impossible. They go where the wind takes them, right? So I realized if I wanted to change the industry, I had to be the wind. Mm. So, I, and that's, that's, yeah, that's what everybody should be trying to do in their respective field, be the wind. You know, with R. Kelly. Yeah. Um, what's your thoughts on that? Um, Everything going on with him. Did you did you see that interview? Yeah, that shit was hilarious. Uh, yeah, man, it is, you know, I don't know. I don't know. He's just, I don't know, to be honest with you. It's a weird thing, man. It's like, yeah, this guy's into younger chicks. He's not the first older guy that's into younger chicks. You know what I mean? Um, is he like kidnapping them and putting them in his house? I don't know. I'll say this about it: like the only reason this is an issue now is because he's broke, right? That's why everybody's like, "Why is this coming out now?" It's like, well, because he can't pay off these people, right? For the last ten years, they've been going, "We're going to talk about this unless you give us some money." So he just gave him money. Then he ran out of money. So now, when you want money from someone and they don't got it, what do you do? You go to the police. Hey, he's been molesting, you know, my daughter for X amount of years. Well, why don't you say that X amount of years ago? Uh, I don't know. You know what I'm saying? It's like sure. you were all getting money. And my theory is, is like once you accept money for something, that's the truth. Like Stormy Daniels, anybody who accepts money and signs an NDA, you signed away the truth. Right? If you're like, if you say to me, Andrew, you cheated on your wife with me. Okay, and I'm going to tell people, and then I give you 100 grand, I ain't cheat on my wife. Mm. I just paid you for history. To erase that. Gone. <laughs> SD card is a race. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I love it. That's what the 100 grand was for, bitch. It's not for you to just take a pause and then come back wherever you want. Anytime a payment is involved, if you accept payment, that's your price for your story. If you set your price at 20, tough. It's like these the Michael Jackson kids. Apparently, both of these guys accepted settlements, and now they're talking again. It's like, you chose how much getting your dick sucked by Mike costs. You put a price on your dick suck. It was 100 or a million or whatever. What? That's your price. Right? Don't accept the money if you want justice. Or do both. Sue them and go to civil. But what happened was you got a little nervous you weren't going to get some money and you were going to lose in court. So you were like, let me just take this safe money. Right? But once you take that safe money, bro, you ain't get your dick sucked. <clears throat> that was your friend. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like... <laughs> <laughs> but you get what I'm saying, right? Yeah. It's like a job. It's like someone pays you to work. Right? And then that literally this is what it's like. It's like if your employee if your employer pays you to work, they're like, hey, here's a hundred thousand dollars a year. You work for me, you did all these things, right? And then after that year, you go to him and be like, Why did you enslave me for a year? He'll be like, What? Like you enslaved me for a year. I was doing all that work for you. And you're like, Yeah, I paid you for that work. And you're like, yeah, but if you don't consider that payment, then you made me work for free. 
It's like, what are you fucking talking about? You got your money. You should be happy. That That's my perspective on it. I don't know. What's yours? No, I get it. I get it. For me, with that, it's like the, the people, Yeah, it depends. Everyone has an ulterior motive, okay? And some people, you know, as far as what Michael, and I, I didn't even watch that doc. Yeah. So I don't even know what the fuck, you know? Yeah. I'm not ready for it. Those kids still love him, yo. Yeah. I think the world still loves him. Those those kids he touched still love him. Yeah. They're telling the story about he's touching him and then also talking, reminiscing on how amazing a time it was. Well, that's, that, 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 yeah, that's you know sick. what I blame in all this shit? Cool. Real talk? The parents. There's incompetent parents out here, yo. If you look at the parents in these documentaries, every one of these documentaries, the parents, they fucking... Bro, the parents in this Michael Jackson documentary, they kept saying, Michael befriended us. Us. They kept, they really thought that Michael gave a fuck about them. They're still brainwashed thinking they were friends with Michael Jackson. No, dummy. He was working you so he could touch your kid. And you really think it was real. They're more in love with Mike than the kids were. They fed the kids to Mike. Like, these parents should be put... I mean, they should just have their fucking heads cut off, bro. Every single one of them. Like, it is insane. All these R. Kelly parents, same thing. You saw the video. You saw the video of him pissing on the girls. Why are you bringing your daughter to him? Like, no. Bury him. Adios, lobotomy. You're a liability. <laughs> lobotomy. Man, it's it's uh, a crazy subject. Crazy. Subject. Would you do that? Your daughter? You know? No, no. Fam, no. if someone had a rumor of pedophilia, would you bring your daughter around them? Absolutely not. A rumor, not an untrue rumor. No way. It's crazy. Just ta- you. You take your kid to the fucking log flume. And you upset that he got wet. You know oh, what I mean? Yeah, we're at the log flume. This is what happens at the fucking log flume. The water comes inside the log. Couldn't have been more explainable than that. You know, as we wind this episode down, you mentioned mm-hmm. about a bunch of your series, right? A bunch of your... Think about it this way. Yeah. How hard is it to come up with about an hour worth of stuff? For me, it's very easy. Really? Yeah, very easy. No, stand-up or series ideas? Well, either or. I just have ideas for days. If I hang out with someone for, for 10 minutes, it's just a gift I have. If I hang out with you for 10 minutes, I can think of 10 different shows that you could do if you sure. have talent. Sure. It's just something that's in me. And then stand-up. Stand-up's different. Stand-up has got a... Stand up has got a boil in me. It's got to bubble up. I got to care. I can't write jokes about shit I don't care about. But, you know, it's like, because it's no different than when you put the pasta in, in the water and it's not boiling. It's just warm. It's not al dente? Yeah. Or like, imagine the imagine you put the pasta in the water and it's cold. Mm. You're not going to get pasta. No. You know, so it's like. For me, the idea needs to be boiling inside of me, and then it comes to the point where it just has to force itself out. 
So that why that's why for me writing a joke can take a long time or a weekend. I can I can put together a 10 minute or 5 minute joke in a weekend sometimes or 6 months. You know what I'm saying? Do you still have the jokes that you started with that you still use today? Nah, I've I've probably put out all those jokes. But wh- how do you know when? When it's done? Yeah. The joke's never done. I've improved the jokes that are on this special. But you have to accept at a certain point in time, you got to go, okay, I'm giving this to the world. And then you just got to accept that. That's something I had to learn too because I'm a perfectionist. And I, was, I don't want to put it out. It's not good enough yet. Da, 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 da. But it's like, no, give it to the world. Because they don't know that it's not good enough. Sure. They just know it's that good when it was killing that night, and that's the first time they're seeing it. Yeah. So, yeah. Listen, YouTube.com forward slash The Andrew Schultz. The Andrew Schultz, yeah. Okay. Now, now the series is what? Six? Um... Six parts. Okay. The first two, I don't know when this is coming out now, but it's basically every Sunday in March, a new part drops on Sundays. What type of, what, what is it like? Like, uh, what parts is it about? Like what? the first one is uh, the first one is uh, the in, the intro. Second one is uh, uh, why Trump was right about grabbing pussy. Yep. Third one is about trannies. Yep. Fourth one is about uh, periods. Uh, fifth one is why we need to get rid of vibrators. And the sixth one is the uh, uh, the telltale sign that a woman loves giving head. Mm. Yeah. What's um? It's funny you said getting rid of vibrators. G- give a little uh, preview of why the fuck is it- we just got to get rid of it because it's hurting women. Yeah, it's really hurting women. And that's why I want to get away, get rid of them. Not because for me, it's, it's hurting women. It's yeah, it's just it's hurting you guys. You guys will check the joke out and yeah, and see the whole thing. But yeah, you know, look, anytime I have you here is always special. Thank I even you, look, let me tell you something. I wasn't feeling well, but I said, "Fuck it." Andrew Schultz is my brother. My brother. You know, we. You know, I. I may sound a little bit like a real old Italian guy. I love it, but I'm still premio. Uh, you know, premio I'm, bet. I'm bet still. Bro. I'm still here. <laughs> you know, look, your dad too. I know is dealing uh, with. Uh, you spoke about memory loss. Yep. Yeah. Um, have you been making the most of that time with him? No, I probably should. Why not? Um. I'm not just asking that as a podcast. I'm asking it as a friend. Yeah, that's a great question. It's, um, I don't know. I don't know. It's something I feel guilty about. You know, it's in this, like, in this career where you, like, wear a lot of hats, your time is spread very thin, and, like, uh, sometimes you have to sacrifice certain things, and um, I may wildly regret sacrificing that kind of family time. No, we could change that today. No, you're absolutely right about that. I mean, the first thing I'm doing when I leave here is going to give my mom a call yeah. and just connect with her and connect with my brother. I mean, the the I think I would feel worse if my dad was, like, pressuring me to hang out or, like, I was canceling on him or something like that. But, like, in a weird way, my dad is in a very blissful state of his life. Like, it's, it's what we were talking about perception earlier. You know, it's like... It would be easy for me to go, both of my parents are depressed, boo-hoo, you know, how sad am I? But another perception is, how lucky am I that I have people who understand this so I can understand it? And uh, with my dad now, I could be like, oh, he's losing his memory. How sad is that? Because I lose this connection with my dad. But in reality, my dad, at least to me, seems like the happiest he's been. Where does he live? He lives with my mom. They uh, live in, in New York? Yeah, in East Village. So, Are you around this weekend? 
Yeah, yeah, no, I'm gonna hang out. Go with for him lunch. Yeah, no, yeah, but that's another thing. Like, I'll I'll go over to their house and I'll say hi, and I'll be like, Dad, you want to get some food? He's like, No, yeah, I'm good. Yeah. My dad is like so content. But what happens if you tell him the day before? Like, yeah, hey, if Let's I come over plans. Saturday, can we have lunch? That's a great idea. That's a good idea. I got to do that. I'm not trying to make this the therapy episode with Andrew Schultz. Son, everything happens for a reason, man. Maybe I needed this. Yeah. Maybe I need, you know, because I was talking with my buddy Verzi at the end of the day, and uh, and he was he was just talking about like it's easy to get lost in your business, true, and then spend all this time in your business, and then at the end of it, you have no one to share it with. You know, and I I don't want to be that person, you know, that doesn't have this family to share it with. And, you know, I think uh, I think I see it a little bit with my mom. You know, my mom and I would we'd kind of beef a little bit growing up. And I think she feels immense regret that she didn't nurture that relationship early as she's getting older. Sure. I think she's like. I get like drunk apology texts and shit from her, and I, and I've told her like the past is dead, like it does us nothing to lament on the sure. past. Like sure. you have to forgive yourself because I've forgiven you. You know, I I I felt I had everything growing up, so don't don't do that. But I think she's going through that light that point in her life where she's like, you know, I really want this with you, and uh, I guess I gotta I gotta make my time more available for her to nurture that. Even if it's not for me, even if, if it's for her, you know? Listen, a well-balanced mind will bring more uh, laughter to the world. Yeah, that's true. Just get, you know, just enjoy them while they're here. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because you never know. <clears throat> I don't want to get all fucking Pastor Pete here. Get Pastor Pete, man. No, no, I'm There's saying, levels but, to this shit. But you never know, you know, when, you never know, you know, you know, you never yeah. know when people, uh, our loved ones, um, you know, when they're not around no more. And I, I see that a lot. Sometimes you get so lost in, you know, making money and, 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 and in the moment and traveling and, and perfecting your craft that, you know, that you like, you know, I have like a 98 year old grandmother and sometimes I go a month without calling her. And I'm like, what the fuck? She could yeah. pass away any day. Yeah. How do you not just call? Yeah. So, you know, I start to do that more. I'm just saying, look, at the end of the day, one thing I really enjoyed about this episode, not only the real points from you, but is explaining to people that finding balance in life is important yeah. and also finding a way to fix your life is important. Yeah, it's never too late for that, yeah. I guess. You know, even like how you <laughs> spoke about stripping yourself, finding new ways to think, yeah. you know, to give you, to, and, and ultimately it made you more successful. It gave me everything. If you didn't have an open mind... You could have just been at MTV2 knocking on their door. to like, get the fuck out of here, Schultzy. Greatest thing ever happened to me was, like, just self-empowerment, man. And I wouldn't have done it if I wasn't forced to. Mm. You mm. know how, like, like, you know how we all sit here, like, we're all city kids, and we're just like, I don't know how to make a fire. It's like, well, because you haven't had to. But if we're out there in the cold, sure. you best believe a fire going to get made. We're going to be rubbing up. them sticks together. Come on, Pete. You know what I mean? It's like dough. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. We're grab, grabbing bifocals. Yeah. We're going to do whatever the fuck we want to do. So it's like adversity introduces a man to himself. Like you don't know what you're capable of. You know, like I felt like that when I was boxing in the ring. It's like you don't know what your ability is until somebody pushes you there. Sure. Like I didn't know 
what I could do for myself in my career until I was put in a position where I had to. Sure. You know what I'm saying? I didn't know how deep the water was until I jumped off the cliff. You know what I mean? Everybody could guess. You could sit up there like, yeah, it's 10 feet, 12 feet. Sure, sure. Sometimes you got to be like, all right, I'll let you know. Yeah. Hey, it's 20. We good. Yeah. You know, so. But if you don't jump, you'll never you're know. You're not going to know shit. You're going to have to wait for someone else to jump. And it's like, now's the time to jump. Like, right now, the industry is falling apart with the internet, man. It's the beautiful time. We get to take advantage of this. Jump. Mm. Cook. Mm. Mm. Now's Create. the time for creators, bro. Jump, That's it. cook, and create. Internet's um, on Twitter, Andrew Schultz. Yeah. On Instagram, Andrew Schultz. No T. YouTube.com slash the Andrew Schultz, man. Watch some stand-up. Watch some clips. If you watch one clip and you don't fuck with me, then that's totally good. But I promise you, if you haven't heard of me yet or haven't seen my stand-up, I will be the funniest comedian, the funniest new comedian that you've ever seen. And when you're, and when he's in your city, buy a ticket, go out, bring your girl, bring your friend, Boom. and support him. My man. Internet's my friend. Cheer. Cheer. Andrew Schultz. Internet's, if you enjoyed that episode, then hit me up. That's right. Email me at thepremiumpeatshow at gmail.com. Again, that's thepremiumpeatshow at gmail.com. If you're an advertiser, any big company, small company, startup, whatever it is, you want to advertise on The Premium Peep Show, hit me up. Email thepremiumpeatshow at gmail.com. And we'll, we'll get to working, okay? And if you have a suggestion or you want to hear a certain guest on the show, whatever it is, okay? You know, you could at Premium Pete. At Premium Pete on Twitter or Instagram, or for the last time I'll tell you, well, I'm not gonna, it's not the last time. Email me, the Premium Pete Show at gmail.com, and let's get to working. Cheer.